Good morning, Springbrook. So good to see you today. I want to tell you about a a life-changing event that I had this past week. I bought a new cell phone. Well, that's a big decision now, isn't it? I used to own this Turbo, too. I still have it. Uh, yeah, Motorola, Android, three years. Speaker went out, had to get a new one. And I, I'm an Android guy. And when I go to buy a phone, I always think, okay, what about the iPhone? Everybody loves the iPhone. It works so perfectly. Maybe I should get one. And there's one killer app that I would love to have, and that's FaceTime. Oh, that might be enough someday for me to make that leap. But until then, hey, I'm an Android guy. I'm a frontier type of person. You know, Apple, you know, they have to take all the programs, the apps that they have, and they have to check them and sanitize them and make them sure they work with their system. But when you go on Google Play, it's the Wild West. You don't know what you're downloading. You don't know what will happen. But I'm an early adopter. I mean, hey, show me a new program. And then maybe two years later, Apple will say, okay, we sanitize it. I don't want to wait. I want to take the risk. I bought a new phone. And it's an I, or excuse me, it's a Galaxy S. Nine, a Galaxy S nine. I mean, oh, everybody brings that up. Yeah, exploding. This is you know what happened with an S. I don't think it was a Note seven, but that's a long time ago. Okay, they got their act together again. I'm a frontiers type of guy. I'm willing to risk something like that in order just to be on the edge and uh, learn what's new out there. It's amazing uh, how we can become so fascinated by an iPhone or an Android. We are addicted, aren't we, to smartphones. And you hear about it all the time, this addiction. We've got to be in the moment. Millennials, uh, I think it's called missing out on the moment. Because something's happening right now that I'm not a part of. I've got to be there and we are so distracted by life. And the sad thing is, the more distracted we are by our smartphones and everything going around, the less time and energy we have to, to pursue God, to know God as He really is. Because if you want to know God, you just can't sweep across your, your smartphone and read a verse or two and say, well, that, that's good enough. I mean, you have to go after God. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. God is just not going to show up in your life. You're not going to learn more by God. Oh, yeah, he'll take care of it. I'll just kind of go through life, and he'll automatically make me more like him, and I'll feel the 
the great satisfaction of knowing who God is. It doesn't work that way. God says, you have to come after me. You have to seek me. You have to put time and energy in to knowing me. Jesus said, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. But you have to ask, seek, and knock. And I find many Christians don't approach their relationship with God like this. It's kind of like a hobby. Once in a while, you know, when I get the time, if it's convenient, then I'll pursue God. And it's always been confusing to me. Because if you want to prepare for a certain career, I mean, you go to college and you pay a boatload of money in order to obtain knowledge and skills to put you in the right place in the market for that job. And if you're working on your job, uh, you're developing a new skill, so you have to take some extra classes outside of your job, but you do it because you see how much it will help you. Most Christians won't take the time, won't take the extra energy to know God's, know God's Word, to study God's Word, to spend time outside of just being here, uh, a small group, listening on the radio, but I mean, really sit down and read God's Word and dig into it. So why is it that with every other area of life, oh, we got to work at it, we got to work at it. But when it comes to the most important relationship with life, we just say, oh, yeah, it will work out. It won't work out, Okay. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You've got to say, yes, I want to know more about God. A.W. Tozer says, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Meditate on that. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, if we really believe that, how would that change how much we wanted to know God? Your view of God determines how you view yourself. Your self-image, I mean, who are you and and how should you be responding to life? And how you view your relationships? What relationships are important that I really have to discipline myself to, to care for these people? How, how you view your work? Maybe you're really in a toxic work environment. I mean, things are not going well. And it's just everything you've got to go to work in the morning. Can your view of God help you deal with that situation? To understand that situation in a new way. How you view your purpose in life. Yes. 
your view of God touches everything in your life. And that's why it's so important that you commit yourself to know more about God and to experience God. In 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. So again, we're here on this earth, this sinful earth. And just want to make clarification. Everybody is not God's children, right? I mean, we're separated from God. That's the problem. We're sinners. We've rebelled against Him. And there's a penalty for that. And Jesus Christ, of course, came down, died on the cross, was our substitute. He took the penalty for us. But in order to become a child of God, we need to come to God and say, God, I have nothing to offer you. No good works. None of the things that I've done. I just come as a sinner. We shouldn't even have a relationship with you, but because of what Jesus Christ did in the cross, he was my substitute. He paid the penalty for my sin. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be, I want to be your child. I want to repent of my sins. I want to believe in you. I want to have faith that you will save me from that penalty of sin, and someday I'll live in heaven with you. That's the gospel. And if that's not clear in your head, keep coming back. Talk to me. Talk to others. We'd love to tell you what it means truly to be a child of God. And once we make that decision, right now what we will be has not yet appeared. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the fact that we're still on this earth. We're still struggling with sin. We're still trying to get to know God. He goes on, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. He's talking about heaven. Heaven. I love to talk about heaven. You know why? Because people have so many misconceptions about it. Some of you think in heaven... It's just going to be one long worship service day after day into eternity. And I don't think I'll be able to get through this one. Right? That's not heaven. Heaven is amazing. It's this earth without sin Time is infinity. But you know what heaven is? Heaven is when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's heaven. Jesus, right there in front of us, The relationship. We don't need to know anything else, do we, really? That we're going to have a a relationship with Jesus. We do now. It's kind of like a long-distance relationship in many ways. 
But when we go to heaven, that's going to satisfy us 100%. We'll never be satisfied 100% here on earth. We'll always feel like, oh, you know, there's something missing. That's what God created us for, to be in relationship with Him. So, as we prepare for the main event, we want to get to know Jesus better and better each day. And that's how you grow in the spiritual life. You look into His Word, and you just get glimpses of God. You understand Him in new ways. And then that changes your behavior year after year after year. And you understand who He is more and more. And the more you want heaven, you want to be with Him face to face. I want to challenge you I want to inspire you. I want to exhort you to go on this spiritual venture that we're embarking on here at Springbrook called the Real God Journey. It's going to be for the next eight weeks, right after the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I want you to say, okay, I want to step it up. I really want to know God. I've been kind of just drifting along, and I really want to take the next two months and focus in and say, hey, this is a new knowledge that I really need about God. And the first thing is to come out to Sundays. Treat Sundays like a class. Like, yeah, I need to be there because I need this information. Now, Everybody relax. Bears aren't playing until 325 today. So we're all good our way. But I tell you, it's coming, man. Noon. I was looking on the schedule. Noon, 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 noon. (laughs) I know that's a temptation for people to say, well, the Bears are playing. Come to the 9 o'clock service. Tape the pregame and watch it later. Isn't knowing about God more important? important than being there for the whole game day experience. And let's pray for Mitch, okay? Let's pray together for Mitch, the quarterback. What are we going to be talking about? The goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, the wisdom of God, the justice of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God. (gasps) Wow. That's a lot, isn't it? And I tell you, by the weekend before Thanksgiving, We'll be ready to celebrate because we know God in a totally different way than we did before. So how do you engage on this adventure? Well, we talked about Sunday mornings. Now, small groups have always been at the heart of our ministry, our family, because life change takes place in relationships. So most of the small groups are starting this real God Study. This is a, a curriculum that was developed by Chip Ingram. How, how many know Chip Ingram? Appreciate him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be teaching his material here on Sundays. And then uh, during the, the week at your small group, you'll be watching a video of Chip, like 20 minutes, and then there's discussion questions. So 
if you really want to get serious, don't wait until the small group. Do the study before you come. And I know some people get in the habit, well, that's a lot of work. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. Huh? Do you want to know God or do you not? Well, spend the time. I don't have the time. Well, how bad do you want it? And let's say you can't make a small group. Uh, you got an odd work schedule, whatever. You can buy this, again, for $10, and they give you a code to go online. Uh, it's livingontheedge.org, and you put this code in, and you get all the small group videos. So you can watch it. You can do this with a friend, a spouse, a family, whatever. But, but there's no excuse not to engage and learn more about God. You can buy all this stuff by, back by the uh, book, a stand. And then there's also a book, The Real God. And everybody, Chip Ingram, just again, follows the same curriculum. So just imagine if you immersed yourself and said, okay, I'm all in. I'm here every Sunday. I'm going to get involved in a small group. We have a couple new small groups starting right now that you <coughs> can get involved in. You can also <coughs> go on our website and you can see all of our small groups. It's a life-changing experience. And then, this is something new. We, we do this every fall. <coughs> uh, the weekly family devotional. This is something we've never had before, but it's from uh, this curriculum, and it's a weekly video uh, that you can watch with your family. It's geared toward younger kids. Let's take a look at it right now. When you think about God, who do you imagine He is? Do you see him as someone who likes to give you good things? <clears throat> and what do you think that really means, anyway? Does it mean he's kind of like... A vending machine? I was going to say a magic genie, but sure, vending machine works. Let's go with that. That's, that's, that's weird. No, I don't think it's that weird. And the elevator's broken anyway, so you might as well go along with it. Hey, what's in there? There you go. That's the spirit. Anyway, as I was saying, if we see God like a vending machine, we might think he's just there to grant our wishes, to give us the stuff that's most important to us. It's... With a never-ending supply of... Whatever we want. Sounds pretty cool, right? Maybe you're like Diana, and you want to be the MVP of the softball team. Punch in D6. Creative and well done. Well, moms and dads, you have little kids or teenage kids, whatever. Just say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to watch the video and you can download the discussion questions. And dads, 
You're called to be the spiritual leaders. This is something you can do. Play the video and ask a couple questions. Uh, let's make this happen. Family devotions are so important. And here you have a ready-made uh, curriculum for you. Well, let's talk a little bit about this whole study of God. Understanding God. There's three things that we need to consider. The first thing is God is not like us. We are made in the image of God, but we're not like God. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. What can we compare God to? Nothing. We have all these different categories in our life. We say, well, God is love, so he's kind of like Mother Teresa, but like love times a thousand times. Her love multiplied by a thousand. Would that be it? No. There's only one category for God. He is different than anything else. He is infinite in every way. Did you know this, this whole process of getting to know God will go on for eternity? Now, you'd think that once we got to heaven, we'd understand God. No, we won't. I mean, we'll know a lot more about him, but every day will be new. You'll, you'll learn something new about God. That sounds like a great eternity, right? A God who loves you so much. We can't compare. I mean, you just start to stop and think. All right. God has always existed. He was never created. He's always been there. Now, we can say, oh, I know that, no, but have you thought about it? Have you thought about the fact that God has always existed? And then you ask the question, okay, how does that impact my life? Maybe you're having a bad day or a bad week, or you feel like, you know, Everything is going wrong. But then you think about God. And he's been here forever in the past. And he is going to be forever in the future. And if you're a child of God, you're going to be with him. No matter what you're going through. And I know many of you are suffering. No matter what you're going through. That has to be some encouragement to you. Because what happens is, as you know, we get burdened down by our problems and all we can see is the ground. And there's no hope, even though there is. But yeah, we, we just become blinded. But if we really know who God is, we can say, yeah, this is a tough time. This is painful, but someday <laughs> I'll be with him forever. Hmm. God 
cannot be compared to anyone. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the stars. He knows the name of every star in the universe. Billions. He has a name for each of them. Whatever, you know, uh, ripping people off. Hey, name this star. It's your star. No, it's not. It's already got a name. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then there's billions of universes. That's how big God is. That's how much he knows. And remember that he knows you perfectly. He knows everything about you, past, present, and future. And he loves you. He knows much more about you than you know, and he loves you. Now, that's something to think about. And, you know, we just need to sit with Scripture and meditate upon it and just race through things and all. Knowledge, knowledge. Now we've got to bring it down at 18 inches from the mind, the brain, to the heart. God loves me even though I feel very ugly right now. I don't feel like anybody loves me. But God loves me. See how it changes the way you view yourself and your world? Don't you love our tree back here? Isn't it just amazing? This past week, I walked in when it was half done, and I just came in, and I was stunned. Wow. He told me what it would look like, but wow. <laughs> I want to thank Gary Woodoff, our worship director, and others. It was his brainchild. and Just appreciate his creativity. You know where that creativity comes from? It comes from God. If you're a creative person, you love to write, you love to create maybe art or something like that. Oh, all that beautiful creation is flowing through you from God. God is amazing, isn't he? The Japanese launched a rocket back in 2014. And their goal was to put robot rovers on an asteroid. I'm not sure why, but it's pretty cool when you think about it. Did you know it took four years for those rovers to reach that asteroid? Four years. But you know, God was already there. All this expense, all this technology, all these great scientists and designers. But God was already there. 
He was just as much there as he is here. Or as he is in, oh, all the people who are worshiping this Sunday around the world. He is everywhere. Is that going to change how you think about life? No matter where you go, He's there. Even if you're rebelling, even if you're just, you walked away from God, and He's there with you. He's there. Or maybe you're just lost in grief today. He's there. He's there. That can change your daily outlook, doesn't it? Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor? Now there's a verse you can sit with for a while, right? How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable that word's Word means impossible to understand. It's impossible to fully understand God. That's something we have to accept. But the great news is we get to continue to know Him. Who has been His counselor? Hey, you ever tried to be God's counselor? <laughs> Give God advice. <laughs> I think we all have. He doesn't need any counselors. Do you know that God has never had a question come to his mind. Hmm. I wonder. No, he doesn't wonder. He knows. He knows everything. Now, is that a God you can trust in? I think so. Another thing we do is we shrink God. We look in Romans, talking about people rebelling against God. For although they knew God, that's very important. For although they knew God, they did know God. They know what God wanted for them. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking. They rejected God's thinking, ah, okay, I'm going to do this my way. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They knew there was a God. They wanted to do their own thing. So with that God-shaped vacuum that we all have, they decided, well, we're going to worship stuff because we can get stuff to do what we want. So we'll worship this animal or this mythological god or uh, we'll worship this rock or, or this wooden statue. I mean, we are designed to worship. Everybody's going to worship something. Who are you worshiping? It's always a mixed bag, isn't it? I mean, we want to really worship God, but we have those idols, right? They're, they're not physical things, but they're things that 
that, that, that we think will really bring us satisfaction. Uh, you know, when I look at uh, popular teaching today, TV, news, internet, whatever, popular, really popular teaching, it's all health and wealth theology. When you see churches that are, I mean, they're blowing out the walls, the largest church in America, it's a health and wealth theology because people love it, right? They've reduced God to what they want, that if they serve God and if they give a lot of money to an evangelist, I mean, some of these evangelists have like $76 million jets. I mean, what? Because people have been led astray thinking if they give, they'll get blessed. It's like we make a deal with God. Oh, God, I tell you, I... I will do your will. I will, I'll read the Bible. I'll pray. I'll go to church. I'll go on a missions trip. I'll, I'll do a lot of things as long as you give me a great life. As long as you give me a, a very fulfilling marriage. As long as you make my kids turn out all right. Declaration of Independence, unalienable rights, life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Where'd that come in? Yeah, you can pursue it. We got started on the wrong foot. Pursuing God would be better, obviously, right? But we're always pursuing happiness, and if we don't get it, we get ticked, we get angry, we become bitter because God didn't do what he promised. What? Did God promise that? I don't think so. He said there'd be trouble in this world. He said he'd provide for our needs. He'd say he'd walk through the dark periods. He said all that, but he never said. <laughs> A great life is the goal. He said, I want to know you. I want to love you, and I want to guide you through this life and have you become more like me, because that's the way I designed you. And, and I tell you, that's something I need to continue to think about because we all struggle with that, reducing God, trying to say, God, hey, what's going on here, you know? Just like, yeah. God reveals himself. It's beautiful how he reveals himself. Romans 1.19, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The problems with our culture is we don't get outside enough, right? I've never been a big nature guy. I've been moving too fast. That's not right. I've been getting better, though. I, I take uh, our two dogs on a walk. And we go up to a, the Lake in the Hills Fen, which is just north of our house, right next to the police station in the old part of Lake in the Hills. And we walk and walk. And I tell you, 
I started looking at stuff. And I look at these weeds that are like seven feet tall, but they have got these gorgeous flowers on the end. And I look at the design of the flower and say, oh, God, how could anybody say that this world was an accident with that type of design? One morning, one morning I went out, and I tell you what, God had it all prepared. The sun uh, was, again, just reflecting off of the foliage in a certain way. And this is what I saw. And I saw them everywhere. Everywhere I looked, I, I saw these spider webs. I'd never seen them before. But they were everywhere. All these spiders working all night long to create that. Look at that design. Look at that beauty that's just out there. Out there. And God's saying, come on out and look at this stuff. So I had a spider in the middle. I have to tell you, I was tempted. I uh, looking for something I could throw through it. And... Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I wanted to see how the spider would wreck, but I didn't. This guy had worked hard. Who am I to come along and destroy his creative work? See, that's the thing that we need to notice more. We need to, we need to experience God through nature. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God reveals Himself in nature. God revealed Himself by coming to this earth, Jesus, and living our life. That's how much He loves us. He revealed Himself by becoming one of us. Jesus experienced the joy of life, of going to weddings and uh, just relationships. He loved being in relationship with people. And you, see, that's the great thing about the Gospels is because you can study them and say, oh, that's how God would live life. That's how God would respond. I mean, it's God right there living our lives. But we also know Jesus suffered so much, rejected by his own family, rejected by so many people, having close friends die. He knows what grief is, right? Jesus wept. So if you're in grief today, go to that story of Lazarus and study it. He knows what it's like to have conflict with the religious leaders. There is no other religion on the earth where God came down. 
Emmanuel, God with us. You see, friends, when we get lost in anxiety, when we get lost in concern and burdens, that's why we need to turn to the Word of God. Because that's the third revelation. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We open God's Word, and that's where we discover God. That was His plan. Don't you just love God's Word. And as we go through this process, pray that you would grow more in love, more fascinated, drawn to God's Word. Because, oh, I mean, just look at the news. You could spend all day reading the news, right? I mean, just sit on your smartphone and read all the news. Uh, it's helpful to know the news. <laughs> but there's only one book. That should be on the top of your list, and you can find it on your smartphone. And that's the book that you should be spending the most time with because God will use His Spirit to open the doors. And you'll know God, and you'll experience Him. Now, what do you think about that statement now? What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Do you understand that now? How it can impact your daily life if you really want to know God. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. You want it? You really want it? Well, again, take one of these steps that we've talked about. Say, today, I'm going to do this. Dive in. Do it all. Pretend it's like a class. And I'm going to put time into this. And I'm going to study. And I'm going to even go beyond that and, and look at other articles online about the attributes of God. You're, going to, you're only going to hear this one place, guys. Pursue Him. Know Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you want us to know you. Lord, I pray for all of my friends here and my, for myself that the next two months we'll go on this spiritual adventure. We'll invest the time and energy. And by that period, in that period, We'll come to a whole new understanding of you. In Christ's name, amen.
there is a deep sense of unease in our rapidly changing world. We all know something has been lost, but we don't know why or where it all leads. Popular culture tells us it is all about me and that we should worship our creations rather than the creator. In politics, the end justifies the means. In relationships, love means self-satisfaction. In life, status and appearance are what count. In the church, confusion replaces clarity and conviction. Our faulty and distorted view of God is at the root of all our problems within and without. But what if we viewed God differently? What if we saw him the way he longed for us to see him? Instead of worshiping a comfortable golden calf of our own creation, we can worship a God that is holy, wise, and just. One whose faithfulness and goodness are matched by his power and sovereignty over all things. This is a God that can deliver us from evil and transform lives. This is a God worth worshiping. The way back, the path of hope, starts with knowing God for who he really is. We need to know the real God. Good morning, Springbrook. So good to see you today. I want to tell you about a a life-changing event that I had this past week. I bought a new cell phone. Well, that's a big decision now, isn't it? I used to own this Turbo, too. I still have it. Uh, yeah, Motorola, Android, three years. Speaker went out, had to get a new one. And I, I'm an Android guy. And when I go to buy a phone, I always think, okay, what about the iPhone? Everybody loves the iPhone. It works so perfectly. Maybe I should get one. And there's one killer app that I would love to have, and that's FaceTime. Oh, that might be enough someday for me to make that leap. But until then, hey, I'm an Android guy. I'm a frontier type of person. You know, Apple, you know, they have to take all the programs, the apps that they have, and they have to check them and sanitize them and make them sure they work with their system. But when you go on Google Play, it's the Wild West. You don't know what you're downloading. You don't know what will happen. But I'm an early adopter. I mean, hey, show me a new program. And then maybe two years later, Apple said, okay, we sanitize it. I don't want to wait. I want to take the risk. I bought a new phone. And it's an I, or excuse me, it's a Galaxy S nine a galaxy s9 i mean oh everybody brings that up yeah exploding this is you know what happened with an s i don't think it was a note seven but that's a long time ago okay they got their act together again i'm a frontiers type of guy i'm willing to risk something like that in order just to be on the edge and uh, learn what's new out there it's amazing uh, how we can become so fascinated by an iPhone or an Android. We are addicted, aren't we, to smartphones. I mean, you hear about it all the time, this addiction. We've got to be in the moment. 
millennials, uh, it's called missing out on the moment. Because something's happening right now that I'm not a part of. I've got to be there. And we are so distracted by life. And the sad thing is, the more distracted we are by our smartphones and everything going around, the less time and energy we have to, to pursue God, to know God as He really is. Because if you want to know God, you just can't sweep across your, your smartphone and read a verse or two and say, well, that, that's good enough. I mean, you have to go after God. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. God is just not going to show up in your life. You're not going to learn more by God. Oh, yeah, he'll take care of it. I'll just kind of go through life and he'll automatically make me more like him and I'll feel the the great satisfaction of knowing who God is. It doesn't work that way. God says, you have to come after me. You have to seek me. You have to put time and energy in to knowing me. Jesus said, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and it will be open to you. But you have to ask, seek, and knock. And I find many Christians don't approach their relationship with God like this. It's kind of like a hobby. Once in a while, you know, when I get the time, if it's convenient, then I'll pursue God. And it's always been confusing to me because if you want to prepare for a certain career i mean you go to college and you pay a boatload of money in order to obtain knowledge and skills to put you in the right place in the market for that job and if you're working on your job uh, you're developing a new skill so you have to take some extra classes outside of your job, but you do it because you see how much it will help you. Most Christians won't take the time, won't take the extra energy to know God's, know God's Word, to study God's Word, to spend time outside of just being here uh, a small group, listen on the radio, but I mean, really sit down and read God's Word and dig into it. So why is it that with every other area of life, oh, we got to work at it, we got to work at it. But when it comes to the most important relationship with life, we just say, oh, yeah, it will work out. It won't work out, okay? You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You've got to say, yes, I want to know more about God. A.W. Tozer says, what comes to your mind 
when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. Meditate on that. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, if we really believe that, how would that change how much we wanted to know God? Your view of God determines how you view yourself. Your self-image, I mean, who are you and and how should you be responding to life and how you view your relationships? What relationships are important that I really have to discipline myself to to care for these people? How, How you view your work? Maybe you're really in a toxic work environment. I mean, things are not going well. And it's just everything you've got to go to work in the morning. Can your view of God help you deal with that situation? To understand that situation in a new way. How you view your purpose in life. Yeah, your view of God touches everything in your life. And that's why it's so important that you commit yourself to know more about God and to experience God. In 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. So again, we're here on this earth, this sinful earth. And just want to make clarification Everybody is not God's children, right? I mean, we're separated from God. That's the problem. We're sinners. We've rebelled against Him. And there's a penalty for that. And Jesus Christ, of course, came down, died on the cross, was our substitute. He took the penalty for us. But in order to become a child of God, we need to come to God and say, God, I have nothing to offer you. No good works, none of the things that I've done. I just come as a sinner who shouldn't even have a relationship with you. But because of what Jesus Christ did in the cross, he was my substitute. He paid the penalty for my sin. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be, I want to be your child. I want to repent of my sins. I want to believe in you. I want to have faith that you will save me from that penalty of sin, and someday I'll live in heaven with you. That's the gospel. And if that's not clear in your head, keep coming back. Talk to me. Talk to others. We'd love to tell you what it means truly to be a child of God. And once we make that decision, right now what we will be has not yet appeared. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about about the fact that we're still on this earth. We're still struggling with sin. We're still trying to get to know God. He goes on, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. 
He's talking about heaven. Heaven. I love to talk about heaven. You know why? Because people have so many misconceptions about it. Some of you are thinking heaven is just going to be one long worship service day after day until eternity. And I don't think I'll be able to get through this one. Right? That's not heaven. Heaven is amazing. It's this earth without sin times infinity. But you know what heaven is? Heaven is when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Jesus, right there in front of us. The relationship. We don't need to know anything else, do we, really? That we're going to have a a relationship with Jesus. We do now. It's kind of like a long-distance relationship in many ways. But when we go to heaven, that's going to satisfy us 100%. We'll never be satisfied 100% here on earth. We'll always feel like, oh, you know, there's something missing. That's what God created us for, to be in relationship with Him. So, as we prepare for the main event, we want to get to know Jesus better and better each day. And that's how you grow in the spiritual life. You look into His Word, and you just get glimpses of God. You understand Him in new ways. And then that changes your behavior year after year after year. And you understand who He is more and more. And the more you want heaven, you want to be with Him face to face. I want to challenge you. I want to inspire you. I want to exhort you to go on this spiritual venture that we're embarking on here at Springbrook called the Real God Journey. It's going to be for the next eight weeks, right after the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I want you to say, okay, I want to step it up. I really want to know God. I've been kind of just drifting along. And I really want to take the next two months and focus in and say, hey, this is a new knowledge that I really need about God. And the first thing is to come out to Sundays. Treat Sundays like a class. Like, yeah, I need to be there because I need this information. Now, Everybody relax. Bears aren't playing until 325 today. So we're all good our way. But I tell you, it's coming, man. Noon. Uh, I was looking on the schedule. Noon, 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 noon. <laughs> I know that's a temptation for people to say, well, the Bears are playing. Come to the 9 o'clock service. Tape the pregame and watch it later. Isn't knowing about God more important? 
than being there for the whole game day experience. And let's pray for Mitch, okay? Let's pray together for Mitch, the quarterback. What are we going to be talking about? The goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, the wisdom of God, the justice of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God. <gasps> wow. That's a lot, isn't it? And I tell you, by the weekend before Thanksgiving, we'll be ready to celebrate because we know God in a totally different way than we did before. So how do you engage on this adventure? Well, we talked about Sunday mornings. Now, small groups have always been at the heart of our ministry, our family, because life change takes place in relationships so most of the small groups are starting this real God study. This is a, a curriculum that was developed by Chip Ingram. How, how many know Chip Ingram? Appreciate him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be teaching you some material here on Sundays. And then uh, during the, the week at your small group, you'll be watching a video of Chip, like 20 minutes, and then there's discussion questions. So if you really want to get serious don't wait until the small group do the study before you come. And I know some people get in the habit, well, that's a lot of work. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. Huh? Do you want to know God or do you not? Well, spend the time. I don't have the time. Well, how bad do you want it? And let's say you can't make a small group. Uh, you got to odd work schedule, whatever. You can buy this, again, for $10, and they give you a code to go online. Uh, it's livingontheedge.org, and you put this code in, and you get all the small group videos. So you can watch it. You can do this with a friend, a, a spouse, a family, whatever. But, but there's no excuse not to engage and learn more about God. You can buy all this stuff by, back by the uh, book, a stand. And then there's also a book, The Real God. And everybody, Chip Ingram, just again, follows the same curriculum. So just imagine if you immersed yourself and said, okay, I'm all in. I'm here every Sunday. I I'm going to get involved in a small group. We have a couple new small groups starting right now that you and get involved in. You can also <coughs> go on our website and you can see all of our small groups. It's a life-changing experience. And then, this is something new. We, we do this every fall. <coughs> uh, the weekly family devotional. This is something we've never had before, but it's from uh, this curriculum and it's a weekly video uh, that you can watch with your family. It's geared toward younger kids. Let's take a look at it right now. When you think about God, who do you imagine He is? Do you see Him as someone who likes to give you good things? <clears throat> and what do you think that really means, anyway? Does it mean He's kind of like... A vending machine? I was going to say a magic genie, but sure, vending machine works. Let's go with that. That's, that's, that's weird. No, I don't think it's that weird. 
And the elevator's broken anyway, so you might as well go along with it. Hey, what's in there? There you go. That's the spirit. Anyway, as I was saying, if we see God like a vending machine, we might think he's just there to grant our wishes, to give us the stuff that's most important to us. It's... With a never-ending supply of... Whatever we want. Sounds pretty cool, right? Maybe you're like Diana, and you want to be the MVP of the softball team. Punch in D6. kids or teenage kids, whatever, just say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to watch the video, and you can download the discussion questions. And dads, you're called to be the spiritual leaders. This is something you can do. Play the video and ask a couple questions. Uh, let's make this happen. Family devotions are so important. And here you have a ready-made uh, curriculum for you. Well, let's talk a little bit about this whole study of God. Understanding God. There's three things that we need to consider. The first thing is God is not like us. We are made in the image of God, but we're not like God. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. What can we compare God to? Nothing. We have all these different categories in our life. We say, well, God is love. So he's kind of like Mother Teresa, but like love times a thousand times. Her love multiplied by a thousand. Would that be it? No. There's only one category for God. He is different than anything else. He is infinite in every way. Did you know this, this whole process of getting to know God will go on for eternity? Now, you'd think that once we got to heaven, we'd understand God. No, we won't. I mean, we'll know a lot more about them, but every day will be new. You'll, you'll learn something new about God. That sounds like a great eternity, right? A God who loves you so much. We can't compare. I mean, you just start to stop and think. All right. God has always existed. He was never created. He's always been there. Now we can say, oh, I know that. No, but have you thought about it? Have you thought about the fact that God has always existed? And then you ask the question, okay, 
how does that impact my life? Maybe you're having a bad day or a bad week. Or you feel like, you know, <laughs> everything is going wrong. But then you think about God. And he's been here forever in the past. And he is going to be forever in the future. And if you're a child of God, you're going to be with him. No matter what you're going through. And I know many of you are suffering. No matter what you're going through, that has to be some encouragement to you. Because what happens is, is you know, we get burdened down by our problems and all we can see is the ground. And there's no hope, even though there is. But, yeah, we, we just become blinded. But if we really know who God is, we can say, yeah, this is a tough time. This is painful, but someday <laughs> I'll be with him forever. Hmm. God cannot be compared to anyone. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the stars. He knows the name of every star. In the universe, billions. He has a name for each of them. Whatever, you know, uh, ripping people off. Hey, name this star. It's your star. No, it's not. It's already got a name. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then there's billions of universes. That's how big God is. That's how much he knows and Remember that he knows you perfectly. He knows everything about you, past, present, and future. And he loves you. He knows much more about you than you know, and he loves you. Now that's something to think about and you know, we just need to sit with Scripture and meditate upon it and just race through things and all knowledge, knowledge. You know, we've got to bring it down that 18 inches from the mind, the brain, to the heart. God loves me, even though I feel very ugly right now. I don't feel like anybody loves me. But God loves me me. See how it changes the way you view yourself and your world. Don't you love our tree back here? Isn't it just amazing? This past week I walked in when it was half done and I just came in and I was stunned. Wow. He told me what it would look like but Wow. 
I want to thank Gary Woodoff, our worship director, and others. It was his brainchild. And just appreciate his creativity. You know where that creativity comes from? It comes from God. If you're a creative person, you love to write, you love to create maybe art or something like that. Oh, all that beautiful creation is flowing through you from God. God is amazing, isn't he? The Japanese launched a rocket back in 2014. And their goal was to put robot rovers on an asteroid. I'm not sure why, but it's pretty cool when you think about it. Did you know it took four years for those rovers to reach that asteroid? Four years. But you know, God was already there. All this expense, all this technology, all these great scientists and designers. But God was already there. He was just as much there as he is here. Or as he is in, oh, all the people who are worshiping this Sunday around the world. He is everywhere. Is that going to change how you think about life? No matter where you go, He's there. Even if you're rebelling, even if you're just, you walked away from God and He's there with you. He's there. Or maybe you're just lost in grief today. He's there. He's there. That can change your daily outlook, doesn't it? Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor. Now there's a verse you can sit with for a while, right? How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable that word's, word means impossible to understand. It's impossible to fully understand God. That's something we have to accept. But the great news is we get to continue to know him who has been his counselor? Hey, you ever tried to be God's counselor? <laughs> Give God advice. <laughs> I think we all have. He doesn't need any counselors. Do you know that God has never had a question come to his mind? Hmm. I wonder. No, he doesn't wonder. He knows. He knows everything. Now, is that a God you can trust in? I think so. Another thing we do is we shrink God. We look in Romans, talking about people rebelling against God. For although they knew God, that's very important, for although they knew God, they did know God. They know what God wanted for them. They did not honor Him as God 
or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. They rejected God's thinking, "Ah, okay, I'm going to do this my way. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They knew there was a God. They wanted to do their own thing. So with that God-shaped vacuum that we all have, they decided, well, we're going to worship stuff because we can get stuff to do what we want. So we'll worship this animal or this mythological God or or we'll worship this rock or, or this wooden statue. I mean, we are designed to worship everybody's gonna worship something who are you worshiping it's always a mixed bag isn't it i mean we want to really worship god but we have those idols right they're they're not physical things but they're things that 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 we think will really bring us satisfaction You know, when I look at uh, popular teaching today, TV, news, internet, whatever, popular, really popular teaching, it's all health and wealth theology. When you see churches that are, I mean, they're blowing out the walls, the largest church in America, it's a health and wealth theology because people love it, right? They've reduced God to what they want, that if they serve God, and if they give a lot of money to an evangelist, I mean, some of these evangelists have like $76 million jets. I mean, what? Because people have been led astray thinking if they give, they'll get blessed. It's like we make a deal with God. Oh, God, I tell you, I, I will do your will. I, I'll read the Bible. I'll pray. I'll go to church. I'll go on a missions trip. I'll I'll do a lot of things as long as you give me a great life. As long as you give me a, a very fulfilling marriage. As long as you make my kids turn out all right. Declaration of Independence. Unalienable rights, life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Where'd that come in? Yeah, you can pursue it. We got started on the wrong foot. Uh, pursuing God would be better, obviously, right? But we're always pursuing happiness, and if we don't get it, we get ticked, we get angry, we become bitter because God didn't. Do what he promised. What? Did God promise that? I don't think so. He said there'd be trouble in this world. He said he'd provide for our needs. He'd say he'd walk through the dark periods. He said all that, but he never said. (laughs) A great life is the goal. He said, I want to know you. I want to love you. And I want to guide you through this life. 
and have you become more like me because that's the way I designed you. And, and I tell you, that's something I need to continue to think about because we all struggle with that. Reducing God, trying to say, God, hey, what's going on here, you know? Yeah. God reveals himself. It's beautiful how he reveals himself. Romans 1.19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The problems with our culture is we don't get outside enough. Right? I've never been a big nature guy. I've been moving too fast. That's not right. I've been getting better, though. I I take uh, our two dogs on a walk. And we go up to the Lake in the Hills Fen, which is just north of our house, right next to the police station in the old part of Lake in the Hills. And we walk. And walk, and I tell you, I start looking at stuff, and I look at these weeds that are like seven feet tall, but they have got these gorgeous flowers on the end. And I look at the design of the flower and say, oh, God, how could anybody say that this world was an accident with that type of design? One morning, one morning I went out. And I tell you what, God had it all prepared. The sun uh, was, again, just reflecting off of the foliage in a certain way. And this is what I saw. And I saw them everywhere. Everywhere I looked, I... I saw these spider webs. I'd never seen them before. But they were everywhere. All these spiders working all night long to create that. Look at that design. Look at that beauty that's just out there. Out there. And God's saying, come on out and look at this stuff. So there's a spider in the middle. I, I have to tell you, I was tempted, uh, looking for something I could throw through it. And uh, I don't know why. (laughs) I wanted to see how the spider would react, but I didn't. This guy had worked hard. Who am I to come along and destroy his creative work? See, that's the thing that we need to notice more. We need, to, we need to experience God through nature. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God reveals Himself in nature. God revealed Himself by coming to this earth, Jesus, and living our life. 
That's how much He loves us. He revealed Himself by becoming one of us. Jesus experienced the joy of life, of going to weddings and just relationships. He loved being in relationship with people. And See, that's the great thing about the Gospels is because you can study them and say, oh, that's how God would live life. That's how God would respond. I mean, it's God right there living our lives. But we also know Jesus suffered so much, rejected by his own family, rejected by so many people, having close friends die. He knows what grief is, right? Jesus wept. So if you're in grief today, go to that story of Lazarus and study it. He knows what it's like to have conflict with the religious leaders. There is no other religion on the earth where God came down. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, friends, when we get lost in anxiety, when we get lost in concern and burdens, that's why we need to turn to the Word of God. Because that's the third revelation. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete a for every good work. We open God's Word, and that's where we discover God. That was His plan. Don't you just love God's Word? And as we go through this process, pray that you would grow more in love, more fascinated, drawn to God's Word. Because, oh, I mean, just look at the news. You could spend all day reading the news, right? I mean, just sit on your smartphone and read all the news. Uh, It's helpful to know the news. (laughs) But there's only one book that should be on the top of your list, and you can find it on your smartphone, and that's the book that you should be spending the most time with because God will use His Spirit to open the doors. And you'll know God and you'll experience Him. Now, what do you think about that statement now? What comes to your mind when you think about God? He's the most important thing about you. Do you understand that now? How it can impact your daily life if you really want to know God. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Do you want it? you really want it? Well, again, take one of these steps that we've talked about. Say, today, I'm going to do this. Dive in. Do it all. Pretend it's like a class. And I'm going to put time into this, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to even go beyond that and, and look at other articles online about 
the attributes of God. You're, going to, you're not going to hear this one place, guys. Pursue Him, know Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You that You want us to know You. Lord, I pray for all of my friends here and my, for myself that the next two months we'll go on this spiritual venture We'll invest the time and energy and by that period, in that period, we'll come to a whole new understanding of you. In Christ's name, amen.